Red Monday and Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. There's no doubt, but um, you know you got to compartmentalize and continue to work hard and, and uh, try to get this this group a win, and that, that's been our main focus. Cliff Kingsbury, yesterday, a lot going on, no doubt. Unfortunately, most of what's going on for the Arizona Cardinals is bad stuff, and it's going on off the football field because there's not a whole lot going on the football field. They lose yesterday, 24 to 15 to the Denver Broncos. So, uh, open phones again at 602-260-9870. Not necessarily about the details of that game. Yeah, uh, because it was uh, you know it was big man. You, you talk about it every year. Zombie football pops up, and that was that was a classic case of zombie football for a lot of that football game from both teams. But with the general manager uncertainty. Mm-hmm. With now the coaching uncertainty, and mm-hmm. I've been on record in recent weeks, Bick, saying I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is going anywhere. Well, that's changed. <laughs> that's changed in a big way, especially if you lose these last four. That would be a seven-game losing streak to end the season. The Kyler Murray situation. Yep. All of it. Uh, taking your thoughts on the state of the Arizona Cardinals at 602-260-9870. We will start with our friend George in Tempe here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Hi, George. Hey, happy Hanukkah to everybody. Merry Christmas. Hope everybody's having a great season. And, uh, well, Cardinals notwithstanding. You know, Vic, you said it a little bit ago. You said uh, they went off a cliff. Well, that's what they got to do. They got to get off a cliff. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's not just time. They got to get off cliff. And if they're really talking about about uh, uh, promoting from within, that's just going to, like you said, it's going to perpetuate the same nonsense over again. They've really got to look outside. They got to tear this down. And I know, I know, Vince, you're talking about, you know, not being able to get off of Kyler because it's, and not drafting a quarterback in the first round. Well, we have a chance to get a generational quarterback in the first two or three picks, which is where we're going to be. And we have to think long and hard about that. Bite the bullet. It's not two hundred and forty million. It's one hundred and sixty million. I know it's still a lot of money, sure. but get off of get off of Kyler, bite the bullet. You know, lose the fifty million dollar in dead cap hit. Trade him to somebody else. He's not going to play next year. He's not going to play a down next year. It's going to be fourteen months for him, and he is not going to play. So we got to get somebody else. You know, get Sean Payton, get somebody in here to change this whole philosophy and, and move forward. Well, and you guys have a great season. Oh, Vic, if you want to play in a scramble with me, Fiesta Bowl scramble on the thirtieth of December. You got an invitation for me. All right, email me. All right, man. All right, bud. That. Appreciate that, man. You win one damn I know. Yeah, Scott, I people recruited from everybody yeah. now all of a sudden. Yeah. You need to know that I'm not the ringer. I benefited from a ringer, but I am not the ringer. You should show up in jeans. You should. <laughs> you should. Yeah, that's a- <laughs> Throw everybody off. Yeah. Um, good call, George. Appreciate yeah. Thank it. Thank you, George. But- and, you know, and I have been. I don't think you can go that bold and go quarterback in, with a top five pick. And Georgia's scenario, yeah, is it intriguing? Is it food for thought? Absolutely. Who's going to trade for Kyler Murray right now? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, but a guy it, who it, regressed and then tore his ACL and his meniscus. Yeah, that's. And again, this is kind of why I thought those conflicting reports on on his timetable were just laughably. He has not even had surgery yet. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you heard, hey, they went in there and they found some other stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, we'll keep it going on the phones out to Phoenix. Cody's up next here on Arizona Sports. Good morning, Cody. Hey, how's it going? Good morning, guys. Happy Hanukkah. I appreciate the last guy doing it. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, the state of the Cardinals, it's bad. 
Um, no, it might be the worst in the NFL. Um, I really feel like they're going to have a top pick for sure and then probably another top pick coming the year after if Kyler doesn't play. And then you start looking at contracts. DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be here after, I believe, the year after. Hollywood Brown is not going to resign. So then you're talking about Kyler Murray and his big contract and a bunch of maybe some bums that they draft with some bad picking, if it's Steve Kime making it, or even Adrian Wilson, because then really Michael Bidwell has his fingerprints all over it. I don't know what the answer is, but they need to blow the whole thing up, and I know that's not what's going to happen. So that's what really makes the seed of the Cardinals, just awful, not watchable. U of A is having a great season. U of A basketball guys having a great season, picked up a great win over Tennessee. Uh, everybody should everybody should tune in. You had me and then you lost me, Cody. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I do agree with Cody on this. This is the textbook definition, the textbook invitation to blow it all up. Nothing has gone right this year. No, no. And and I'm sure there's going to be some residue after the season's over. I know there's been speculation about what is DeAndre Hopkins going to want to be part of this well, going forward. It's been so bad, though, Big. you got to wonder about those guys that are on, under contract. This has been a drag for everybody. Oh, yeah. Do you want to move elsewhere? Uh, right. And, and I would not be surprised if some of that comes down the pike after the season's over. If, if, if you're looking, if you're a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and you're looking at this football team, you're going, they ain't winning any time DeAndre soon. Hopkins wanted out of Houston because it was, there was a franchise facing a rebuild. He got yep. to Arizona, not yep. thinking in three years here that this would be a franchise facing a rebuild. Right. That's Players exactly like right. That don't want to play no. for rebuilding teams. No. And then, and then I mentioned the JJ Watt thing. I think JJ Watt is clearly, I think you're going to see more of this from him on the way out because I think he's chasing down one last mega deal, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know if he's going to want to be here. So th- there's a lot of, I do believe that ultimately there's going to be, a, 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 it's going to have to be an overhaul, yep. completely top down. Let's talk to uh, Scott and Glendale up next here on Arizona Sports. Good morning, Scott. Hey, good morning, Vince. Good morning, Vic. I wanted to take a little bit more of a, a fan perspective, and I wanted to comment on the cultural crisis that Michael Bidwell has on his hands. Um, by clinging to, to, to pride with this new regime, specifically with management and with head coaching, instead of clinging to success, you're already isolating an already stressed fan base. You know, I was born and raised here, so I'm going to be loyal to this this team, you know, for better or for worse, but you're already isolating uh, an already stressed fan base. You're, uh, a- any transplant into this city who might have had an interest in this team is going to go back to their parents or their grandparents' team. And this culture is just going to spiral out of control if, if Mr. Bidwell continues to cling to his pride. Um, the, the Suns realized that they had this problem too, and they had to switch regimes. They had to get James Jones. They had to bring Monty Williams, who brought a new culture. And now we're starting to see a new generation of Suns fans uh, cling to their team. Now, if you want to use the injury excuse, I'd point towards our neighbors in Santa Clara, where they're succeeding and one of the best teams in the NFC with a third-string quarterback Uh with injuries up and down. So I just don't think there's any excuses. We need to switch this this culture. Scott, good call. Appreciate it. Very good call. Yeah, let's uh, close it out with Christian and Chandler here on Arizona Sports. Hi, Christian. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. 
Um, so I just wanted to call. I think I have a, a pretty um, opinion that might be a little out there to you guys. Uh, personally, I don't think that they should fire Cliff Kingsbury. Um, I think that a big part of wi- uh, building a winning culture is sticking with your guys and sticking with your guns. Um, other than Sean Payton, is there any real coaching candidates that you say, hey, I want this guy? <laughs> um, you know, good coaches, they do have bad years. I know this is this is uh, an extraordinarily bad year, but I genuinely believe Cliff wants to be here. Uh, and if they can get a good edge rusher to solidify that, that solid defense, I think they'll be in a great place for years to come. Thanks, guys. All right, um, Christian, you prefaced by saying that uh, we probably wouldn't agree with you. And your we opinion. definitely don't, I but don't you're agree certainly your welcome to your opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the defense appreciates you def- uh, defining them as solid. I'll say that. Again, and it's like it, it's for, for most of the games and for most of the year, I think they have been. But then again, you, I, I make that argument, and people throw the stats at me, and I look like an idiot. So it, it's you're not the only one that feels that way, though. And, and again, we're, we're we're judging from the the failures of the offense as opposed to the exceeding of the, the expectations for the defense were so low they suck, but they've still exceeded expectations. <laughs> right? That's how low those expectations were. Thanks for the calls. Good stuff on the phone calls. Coming up next Saturday night at uh, downtown Phoenix, we saw another Devin Booker masterpiece lifting his team to a victory over the Pelicans. We'll get into that and uh, whether or not we'll see Book tonight against the Lakers. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Shazam! Sunday brought to you by Coco Five. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bridges for three, no good. Lindale rebounds, Suns keep it alive. Back to Paul, out to Booker. Booker on the drive, Booker to the rim. Score, pound it, and he's fouled. Booker will go to the line. And that puts him, that gives him 51, Al. That's what we want to do. You know, we feed off each other's energy, and, you know, we have really talented guys on this team, even being down, man. You know, we, we're still going deep into the bench, and these guys are, are ready to go. So, you know, just to name a few like I did, like, you know, we don't win this game tonight without J.O., without Josh. Um, and that's just the name of the game, man, just being a leader and, you know, letting them know. It's the NBA. We've seen bigger comes back. We've seen comebacks less than that, and, you know, it's just the nature of the game. Devin Booker, who just went nutty on Saturday night at Footprint Center, 58 points. Uh, missed five free throws or else he would have been over 60 points. Suns come back from 24 down. And when you consider that Devin Booker at one point scored 25 straight points for the Suns, his fingerprints are all over the comeback. It wasn't all him. Chris Paul hit a couple of huge shots down the stretch. And you heard Devin Booker mention Josh Okogie, who may have uh, influenced a win more than any other player I've ever seen without scoring a basket. He had an ofer in the field goals mm-hmm. made category, but had big offensive rebounds, got to the free throw line. Devin Booker was the focus. And here we go. Last week when we left the airwaves, we were talking about uh, you know this budding rivalry between the Pelicans and the Suns. This chapter just adds another whole layer to it because there was a lot of trash talking going yeah. on. And uh, just a masterful, historic performance by Devin Booker again. Well, yeah, and and I think I, watching the game, I was I was very very worried at the way the game was going. Yes. And then when when Devin Booker went nuclear, he he basically saved their backsides. And I agree with you about Josh Okogie, By the way, he really has brought an element of offensive rebounding that this team hasn't had and 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 pretty much needed. Um, 
it, it kind of reaffirmed this this narrative that the Suns are going as far as Devin Booker will take them when he puts on that cape, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I I I came out of that game marveling at how hot he got and and how important it was, but I couldn't shake the feeling that had that not happened, we might have been dealing with another very troubling loss. Yes, um, I. I I'll be honest with you. Saturday night, I had the feeling, and I said this to the guy sitting next to me. It's like, well, at least it'll be easy to get out of the parking garage tonight because this crowd's going to file out. Yeah. That's how it felt that that game right. was going. Right. And that was with Devin Booker. He got off to a good start. He had 22 points in the first half. But still, you get down 24 points against a team that, let's face it, has been in the heads a little bit of the Phoenix Suns. You don't expect that comeback. He was unbelievable. And in that game, you know, a couple weeks back against Chicago, Bick, he had 51 points in three quarters. But everything kind of was easy. He had a lot of open looks. Yeah. What he was doing against New Orleans, he was hitting tough shots. Mm-hmm. He was getting and ones where he was getting hacked on his way to uh-huh. the hoop. He was shooting. Just the, the whole array was on display. Yes. Uh, it was just, man, MVP-type stuff. And, and this has been a very interesting stretch for Devin Booker. Oh, say that, that again. Stretch of three straight games of 40-plus. Then he had about a four-game stretch of shooting 30% from the floor, and then he follows it up with a 58-point game. Yeah, it's 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 like he went into a mini slump and then busted out of it at the right time. So I'll, I'll be curious to see if he's able to go tonight. And you know what? Again, I think that everything about the about the Suns, it, it's always qualified because I think we all know this team is not their team in full. And because the Jay Crowder piece has to drop at some point, and then who knows if there's going to be anything real aggressive beyond that so everything is kind of in this okay just just try to stack wins and try to protect your positioning and and we'll get serious about this once we see what this team looks like early part of 2023 that's why last night was very very important i just to see devin booker get back in that mvp mode was very reassuring to me yep here was uh booker talking about having a big game against the sun's new rival i mean that's why we play the game you know, which is why we're in the NBA. It's the highest level of basketball with the, you know, the highest level of competitors <clears throat> in the world. So, you know, to be able to wake up every day and get the chance to match your talents up against, you know, talent that we've never, the world's never seen before, you know, it's a, it's an honor. Yeah, Monty Williams, the head coach of the Suns, said he had an inkling that something like that could happen. I told the coaches this morning um, that he was – approaching something that you know you don't know but he doesn't have those kinds of shooting nights consecutively and uh, i saw how frustrated he was in in la <laughs> it's like they <laughs> got to figure out a way to you know get him going and uh i wish it was you know something that i did or schematically we tried to figure some things out he just he just had one of those nights and um i think the only person that could have stopped him from scoring tonight was me by taking him out of the game. He just had one of those book nights that um, none of us take for granted. And he didn't uh, get taken out of the game in the second half, and you you saw the result. Uh, And the Suns continue to get beat up. I mean, DeAndre Ayton still questionable for tonight. Booker now questionable for tonight. Jock Landale's out, so you're going to get the... If if Ayton can't go, you're going to get the Mm -hmm. Bismack Biombo show with maybe a little bit of help from Dario Saric 
against a team of the Lakers that's playing better. They're without Anthony yeah. Davis again. What I'm curious about, Bick, and there seems to be some speculation, December 15th is now in the rearview mirror. That window of players that became trade eligible, um, you know, th- those those guys are out there now. You know, do you expect a flurry of trades? The Anthony Davis trade, some people are speculating, might be kind of the carrot for the Lakers to try to make a deal because, you know, as disappointing as they've been, everything's so bunched up. This might be their last gasp if, if, if Davis is out for a month and he'd been playing great basketball. Yeah, he had been. So maybe they can make a deal, shuffle the roster a little bit, and maybe that starts this flurry of trades. I, I don't know. Um, but man, the Suns are, you know, just in numbers depleted with, with guys in street clothes right yeah. now. Yeah, and listen, and I agree with you. In watching the Lakers recently, I thought that team has kind of turned a corner a little bit, and Anthony Davis has looked better in terms of just his fluidity than he has in years. And and it, But it's also no surprise that suddenly he's going to be missing up to three weeks with a foot injury. And so I, I don't know how much of a test tonight is going to be, but I do think you're right. I, I, LeBron James is, is chirping um, for Rob Palinka to go and make some trades and add some stuff to this team, especially with what's going on with Anthony Davis. So I don't know when this thing is going to pop, but you're right. It, it just it feels like when it does, there's going to be a lot of teams looking to make moves. Yeah. Um, so that's tonight. Seven o'clock is the uh, the tip off. Um, and remember the last time the Lakers were in town, Anthony Davis. The Suns won the game, but Anthony Davis went off. He had mm-hmm. one of those stat lines where like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> if he if he's able to do this and stay healthy, that being the big caveat, they're. they're they might be a factor. Yeah. Speaking of stat lines, you see what Nikola Jokic did last night? Unreal. What, 40 points, 25 rebounds, 10 assists. 27, like 27, rebound, 27 yeah. rebounds. 27 rebounds, yes. <laughs> 27. Sorry, I didn't mean to slight you, Jokic. Yeah. That's Only crazy. three players in the history of the game had ever done that. Yeah. Well, actually, two. He became the third. Yeah. And listen, and, and I'm not a big fan of his game or the aesthetics of it, but that that you can't deny that kind of stat line. That's, that's Wilt Chamberlain-esque. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, again, Suns and Lakers tonight, 7 o'clock, 6.30 pregame on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Red Hot Chili Peppers, heading to State Farm Stadium on May 14th with the Strokes. Tickets are on sale now, but you can win a pair of tickets by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, this Big Red Monday rolls on with Sarah Cazell taking us through the big stories of the day and the Rush Hour reboot. That is next. It is Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Rush Hour reboot. Rush Hour reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the Rush Hour reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. On Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're taking you through the top stories of the day, and that will start with the Cardinals' loss to the Broncos. But don't worry, we won't spend too much time getting into the nitty-gritty of that one. We know that uh, you don't really want to hear about it. Uh, I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey! With Vince Murata. Oh, need you beat it! Leave me alone! <laughs> and Jarrett Carlin. Kiss my butt. Okay. Well, kiss my butt. Uh, uh. 
I don't. I, I don't remember what that was from. Neither do I. Kiss my I'm butt. I'm sure oh, in the context again, it was appropriate. <laughs> oh, you're trying to spark the memory. <laughs> All right, the Cardinals lost again yesterday, 24-15 to the Denver Broncos. Uh, they're four and ten. They've got three games left. The game, oh, it was just a, an electric start to the game. Oh, yeah, field it, was. Goal. it was. Field riveting. goal, field goal, field goal. Riveting. Punt. punt, punt. Punt, 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 And then three touchdowns for the Broncos, uh, spanning from the six-minute mark in the third quarter to 9.30 in the fourth. Then the Cardinals did reach the end zone uh, once. James Conner punched in a touchdown with about six minutes left to get the Cardinals into double-digit scoring on the day. Yay! Here is what stood out to the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, after the game on with the Cardinals radio network. Yeah, just the, the turnovers um, in our territory, you know, set up short fields, and we can't do that. Um, you know, I thought we played hard, just uh, had a bunch to overcome with some of the injuries and whatnot, and then just didn't play clean enough to get that done. All right, Colt McCoy also left the game early in the second half with what Cliff Kingsbury said afterward is a concussion. Yeah, you never like to see that. Um, it's a tough impact uh, going out there, seeing him like that, but um, talking to our trainers, I think he's He's doing better, so that's good. Trace McSorley went 7 of 15 when he took over. He threw two interceptions, one of which became a touchdown for the Broncos on that next drive. And uh, as we've already established on the show today, the Cardinals are officially eliminated from playoff contention. I don't know how it took until this late in the season, but it is now mathematically impossible for them to reach the playoffs along with the Broncos, the Texans, and the Bears. Hey, guys, what would you like to say about yesterday's game? Not a lot. I mean... But if we want to get into it, and what stands out to Cliff Kingsbury is the, is the turnovers. Sure, that that was the thing that obviously hurt them. But and I know you're down to your third string quarterback, and some people will use that as an excuse. But the just lack of operation of this offense. When you look at 13 possessions and eight of them were three plays or less, those eight possessions covered 42 yards. The good, you know, the good to great coaches will figure out a way to scheme something up, and and it just again. Yeah, I remember two years ago, Bick talking about the horizontal nature of this offense. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it could get worse. It, <laughs> it has. There yeah. is just nothing, nothing to get excited about with this offense. No, that and, I, and what my takeaway was. It, the Cardinal, this Cardinals team now is in that realm where fans are actively cheering for them to lose, yes, whether yep. it's for the change at the top or for the draft status. Yeah, and it's it, and that's a very that's a very uncomfortable place to be. But that's where we all are at yeah. now. Yeah, wasn't it? I don't know if this caught you guys off guard, but when I saw that there have been four teams eliminated from the playoffs across the NFL, and you look at the group, it's the Broncos, uh, the Texans, the Bears, and the Cardinals. Um, specifically, when you think about like the Texans and the Bears teams that have just struggled for years and years and years and years. In my mind, the Cardinals had not really been part of that group as like the absolute bottom feeders of the mm-hmm. NFL. Do you think they have moved into that position where yes. the rest of the league looks yes, at them that way? Yes, I do. Yeah, And, and it, that, that to me, I think is, that's the danger here is because, you know, back in, back from like 1999 through 06, I want to say, the Cardinals just strung together just a horrible year after ho- horrible year. It was, yeah. it was unrelenting. Yeah. 10 plus losses every single year, basically for a seven-year period, and it was just... I, I'm I'm fearful that we're going to be entering that kind of valley now. 
Yeah. I, I hope I'm wrong. Me, I hope I'm wrong. But you know, everything is cyclical and things can change quickly in, in today's NFL. But it again, we're talking about a team that won 11 games last year. I know. It's right. remarkable the turnaround. Well, you mentioned that things can change quickly. Uh, there could be some further change coming to the Arizona Cardinals. Some news from Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports yesterday. He reported that Michael Bidwell, the Cardinals owner, is preparing to replace Steve Keim at GM. Uh, the Cardinals announced last week that Steve Keim is taking an indefinite leave of absence for health reasons. But according to Jones, in his report yesterday, Bidwell met with potential GM candidates during owners' meetings in Dallas, which also took place early last week. Jones reports that Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris, who are currently splitting duties with Steve Keim, um, taking his leave of absence, he says that they will both be considered in addition to candidates from the NFL's Accelerator Program, which was started to increase diverse hiring practices across the league. NFL Network Scene Rappaport also reported yesterday that there is a good chance Steve Keim does not return to the Cardinals. Meanwhile, tumultuous week for the Cardinals. General Manager Steve Keim took a health-related leave of absence. There are some real doubt, I would say, that he is actually back with the Cardinals, which means they could end up needing a new general manager, which means, Rich, owner Michael Bidwell will face a decision at the end of the year. Does he bring back Coach Cliff Kingsbury, or does he clean house entirely after a lost season? Okay, so Ian Rappaport asks the question there. Does Cliff Kingsbury get to stay, or does Michael Bidwell just completely clear out the Cardinals. What do you guys think about that question raised by Ian Rappaport? Well, I think that if, if you hire a general manager, that's got to be the general manager's choice. Yes. And and hiring a new general manager in sort of a rebuild mode, they, they might they might take the tack that let's let let me evaluate him. Let's take another year and I'll me being the new GM with fresh eyes, I'll evaluate whether he's the guy or not going forward. Um, obviously, you know what I think about this. I think that they need massive changes, but I, I'm also a realist, and I know that this job ain't going to be too attractive to a lot of people. Right. Yeah, this past, well, if you go back to 2019 when they made the hire, they basically tied Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury together. Mm-hmm. When they extended both of those men this offseason, they further tied them together. You know, I... If they're tied together, it's got to be it's got to be both. I, I, I think it's it's not consistent to if you're going to change general managers, especially if it's an outside hire. I don't think it makes sense to keep a coach who had, had has. Let's be honest. We've talked about the regression of Kyler Murray. Cliff Kingsbury has regressed as a head coach. Yeah, it it doesn't sound like he's got really much juice left, and I, and I'm yeah. sure the season has taken a Absolutely. massive toll on him. But oh, it sure. just I, you know it's I, I don't know if you saw the latest edition of Hard Knocks, but there was yeah. a scene that I thought was fairly ridiculous when Robbie Anderson comes up to him and says, we're going to ride with you, coach. I'm like, dude, you've been here six minutes. <laughs> and there's no chance you're here next year. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, uh, it, right. Oh, and it's yeah. like, it, I don't know, that that whole thing just struck me as really, really sad. You're a deep ball to Robbie Anderson. Yeah. 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 They're riding with Robbie Anderson. All right. Let's yeah. Get, that was yeah, right. Two targets, zero wow. catches, zero yards. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, very cool. Uh, let's get to the Phoenix Suns quickly. They've got the Lakers in town tonight starting at 7 at Footprint Center. But on Friday, huge game for Devin Booker in a win over the Pelicans. 58 points on 21 of 35 shooting from the field, and he was 50% from three as well. Here is Monty Williams, who said, I kind of felt like this was brewing. And uh, I saw how frustrated he was in, in L.A. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I got to figure out a way to you know get him going. 
And uh, I wish it was, you know, something that I did or schematically we tried to figure some things out. He just he just had one of those book nights that um, none of us take for granted. Book nights. I love that. Like boogie nights. <laughs> oh, man, don't get me started on that. <laughs> I'm going to have to hear about that for a long time. Hey, yeah. <laughs> from my dad, for sure. He's probably, he's probably waiting in the hallway right now. Yeah, he won't even smile. I'm serious. I thought the question was included. It was not. Uh, that was on Devin Booker talking about those five missed free throws that failed to put him over the 60-point yes. mark. 10 to 15 from the strike. And we haven't even talked about the three-point shot he hoisted at the end of the game. What did you think of that? It is what it is. It is what it is. You know my thoughts well, you can't, on it? Like, you can't have a problem with what Zion Williamson did and then ooh, not have a problem with what Devin Booker true. did. True. Okay. That's like all I want The Pelicans who had no problem doing it, they can't have a problem with what Booker did. I don't like either one of them, honestly. Um, but it just, again, it goes to this building rivalry. Yes. That is true. So the question is, you know, we were just buzzing over Devin Booker's performance against the Bulls a few weeks ago when he was 20 of 25 from the field, 6 of 7 from 3 in that win over Chicago. What was the better import, uh, performance, I should say, to you guys? Saturday night against the Pelicans. The Bulls put up such little resistance right. in that That's game. That's a good point. Um, and it was historic and very efficient. But to be as efficient against a team that was actually trying to stop him. <laughs> and yeah. that had just had think, his way with yes. you twice. Yeah. So is, this now, is this now the greatest Devin Booker performance? Yes. Yeah, the I think greatest? Listen, the, the Pelicans were up, for, I believe, 14. 20, when Dev- well, uh, they were up at 24 at one point. Right, but, but they were up 14 when he went, when when it all started, yeah, right? Yeah, in the second yeah. half, uh-huh. yeah. It's, 25 in a row, is that what he said? Yeah, that's yes. what he had, 25 in a row. That's, uh, yeah, that was a, uh, it's, it was not only a great pro, it was really needed, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I just, it, it, it sort of kind of, it sort of, it filled me with hope that Devin Booker is going to continue having that kind of season. When he got in that little valley recently, that shooting slump, I thought, okay, maybe he was just in a hot streak. Yeah. So this makes me kind of feel better about that. That the dip was the exception, yes, not the rule. Exactly. Right. I got you. Well, yeah, that's one way to break out of a slump, though, huh? <laughs> no How about it, right? Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, We're all guys. rebooted. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at uh, 730. Coming up next, we'll talk more about that Cardinals GM picture. Will it be changing according to some reporting over the weekend? It looks that way. We'll get into it next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings on this Big Red Monday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Here we go! Quick! and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Meanwhile, tumultuous week for the Cardinals. General Manager Steve Kahn took a health-related leave of absence. There's some real doubt, I would say, that he is actually back with the Cardinals, which means they could end up needing a new general manager, which means, Rich, owner Michael Bidwell will face a decision at the end of the year. Does he bring back Coach Cliff Kingsbury, or does he clean house entirely after a lost season? See, in Rappaport from NFL Network, who, uh, much credit to Ian Rappaport, he breaks a lot of stories, but uh, on, it, when it pertains to the Cardinals in the past week, he yeah. left himself a lot of linguistic wiggle room. They could, they could not. He may or may not be back. There's, there's well, a lot of wiggle room. It's interesting room because, as Mike Florio pointed out, Ian Rappaport works for a company or works for a media outlet that's partially owned by the Arizona Cardinals. That is true. There is that. There is that. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so that's where it's at right now. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Jones of CBS put it out there with a little stronger language and said it's uh, likely that the Cardinals do move on from Steve Kime. So let's start with the internal candidates uh, that were mentioned by Jonathan Jones, and that is Quentin Harris and Adrian Wilson, who I do think, Bick, are two up-and-comers in this business. Uh, both guys have uh, received general manager uh, interview interviews in past years. I think they are candidates for general manager positions. The only thing, in my opinion, that's working against either one of them in this whole process is neither has worked in another front office. All yeah. 100% of their front office experience has been working under Steve Keim. Yes. And is that enough of a separation from just, you know, a franchise that's gone wayward? I I don't feel it is right now. To me, the answer is no. I, I, I agree with you. I think more than ever, this this particular year, they need to look outside. They need to bring in somebody completely removed from this culture, somebody who's been immersed in a winning culture, and they need to bring that in here. And and so I know the temptation is going to be stay local. I've met Quentin Harris. I think he's very sharp. I think he's putting his time. I think he knows what he's doing. And Adrian Wilson, obviously a huge fan favorite. There'd be a lot of sentimentality involved in that. I think both are very dangerous because neither have done the job and I don't think you can take that chance this time along. Mm-hmm. I really don't. And I've got I've got massive respect for both those guys, Quentin Harris and Adrian Wilson. But but to me, this situation calls for a very uh, certain skill set. It calls for experience. It calls for somebody who's been in a great culture, who knows how to put together a great culture, somebody who's got a history of drafting very well. You know, it's so I think that is I think that's uh, of of very much importance. Um, We talked about this. I I was mistaken yesterday. I thought when it came to NFL draft order, I thought head to head competition would trump at everything. But Uh as it stands right now, you've got Houston, Chicago, Seattle with the third pick that comes from Denver. Yes. Then you've got the Cardinals sitting in fourth right now. There's a chance Denver might win another game. There's a chance Chicago might win another game. Houston's getting the number one pick. Cardinals could get as high as two, maybe to three mm-hmm. with that draft. That is a high end draft pick that you're going to have to you're going to have an opportunity if you're the Cardinals, if you really are going to be in rebuild mode to trade down out of that pick and get a boatload of picks. True. If, or if, or find a transcendent or player find a at a transcendent position of player. need. That which is also something that's yeah right. Just no tight ends, please. No linebackers. <laughs> so uh, and again and, and I'm I'm poking fun of it, but but really this this football team now is so grounded that they, they really this is if they don't do this right, this is going to take a while. I'm looking at the draft order. This is stunning to me. You t- this is this is what you do. This is what smart teams do. Seattle has got currently good at. They're going to have a top five pick courtesy of the Russell Wilson trade. They're already a good football team, so they're going to benefit from that. The Lions are going to have a top five pick courtesy of the Rams and the Jared Goff trade, and the Eagles are going to get a top ten pick because wow. of a trade with New Orleans. <laughs> And it, right, that's Ouch. that's when the rich get richer, and that's when, it, as a football team, when you're the bottom feeders, that's when it gets difficult to get back up on top. So, 
This is yeah. This is this, these are perilous times now for yeah. this football team. And you said something, and the situations are not identical. There, you know, there's some similarities if you if you squint hard enough. Yeah. But you mentioned the Seattle Seahawks will have the third pick in the trade from the Denver Broncos. The Seattle Seahawks moved off of their franchise quarterback Russell Wilson, traded him for a boatload, and it was the Denver Broncos who are now on the hook for this enormous contract for Russell Wilson. Can you make I, 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 look? I'll, and I'll admit it before I say anything else. Hindsight is twenty twenty. This year, nobody expected it to be this bad. But go back to last year. We were in agreement, Beck, that this should have been a prove it year for Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, the Cardinals have been because we had a caller suggested, "Hey, move off Kyler Murray this offseason, trade him." I think it's impossible right now. Should the Cardinals have maybe been a little bit more proactive if they had doubts? Because they obviously had doubts, even mm-hmm. though they rewarded Kyler Murray with the contract. Should they have traded him last offseason and kind of been in that situation maybe to get that boatload of picks this year? Right. And even if but they were coming this- off an 11, they were coming off an 11 win season that fooled everybody based on the way they finished. I wasn't fooled. It, not by, by, ta- the, by the end of the year, neither was I. Yeah. There was a small window before all of the reports came out that we were talking about him for Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's true. That was, but that was two off seasons ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it was. You're right. Been. It was. Yeah. Who the hell remembers anything anymore? <laughs> Uh, One thing is not debatable. This has devolved into an absolute top to bottom mess. It has, yeah. And 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 again, I think from what from what I could tell, I could tell that that at least there was a great fear that I was hearing from a good number of Cardinal fans that that this team was going to do nothing at all, that they were going to come back with the same management team. So these various reports that indicate that Steve Kimes' time here is done, I I think that's a ray of hope. That's that's a ray of hope that Michael Bidwell understands uh, the mistakes that he has made. Yeah, and look, we, we again, and we've speculated upon this too, we don't know the details of Steve Kimes' contract. We don't know the details nope. of Cliff Kingsbury's contract. How much of that has uh, been guaranteed? We The only thing along those lines that's been out there publicly at all was something coming from the agent of Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's fully guaranteed. Right. Even so, if it's fully guaranteed... You know that doesn't count against the salary cap. Steve Kimes' money does not count against the salary cap. Um, you can move off of this if you're Michael Bidwell. How willing he is to do it well, is now the burning question. Well, because mo- because most most, and I'm sure this is the case with Cliff Kingsbury, most head coaches' contracts have offset language, meaning, okay, if I fire you and you've got all this guaranteed money left, yeah, I owe you that money, but if you go and take a job somewhere, we're done. We're done. And and a lot of times coaches like that, you don't want to take four or five years off because then after that, then then you've got no leverage. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury did uh, say he was asked about his head coaching career, college mm-hmm. and pro, which is now at 10 years. Uh-huh. He answered that and started by saying it feels like 100. <laughs> so maybe he does want four or five years off. But I feel like <laughs> feels like odd. Wow. More, more than ever, the NFL is so much about who's the hot, trendy name right now. So if you let yourself leave that cycle of relevance, so yeah. to speak, yeah. it's harder to break back in. I think it is. And and I think that um, 
I think when you get a situation like this as well, and I, I don't know why this came up at, at owners' meetings, but the report came out that it, the point was made to the group, to the collective, that, man, we've been wasting a lot of money firing coaches with lots of years left, and Matt Rule was the latest. And I, I got no offense. We're like, oh, no, please. <laughs> don't start thinking that. Don't let that become a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is um, this has just been uh, this has been unbelievable. This has been unlike anything I have ever witnessed with a football team. The drama from day one, and it has not stopped. Yeah, three uh, three weeks to go, Beck. Uh, the twenty twenty two college football playoff semifinal is coming to State Farm Stadium on December thirty first, featuring number two Michigan and number three TCU. They square off for the first time ever in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. Head to the contest page now at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win a pair of tickets to that game. Coming up next, the second half of Big Red Monday kicks off with the Bickley Blast. It's Bickley and Murata mornings. On Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.